Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Radio KMAN, your home for K-State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Well, uh, appears to be a lot of loitering on Mastery and Lawrence right now. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. A.J. Shaw is running our board today. The phone number is 537-1350. If you want to call in, and uh, well, we're going to talk some Cats for the next two hours. And, of course, uh, Big 12 football from this last weekend and heading into this bye week uh, for K-State. Is this the perfect timing for a K-State bye week Uh Wayne Thompson and I will be discussing later on in hour number two. The loitering I bring up is, you know, there's rumors that Taylor Swift is in Lawrence. She has a really good friend of hers that lives in Lawrence, so maybe at their uh, Free State Brewery or something. But, um, Wyatt, we got to lead off with some breaking news. Top of the hour breaking news. I'll just read you the announcement by K-State Athletics. After a record-setting first-year head coach, Jerome Tang has agreed to a new seven-year contract through the 2029-30 season to continue his leadership of the K-State men's basketball program announced by the athletics director of K-State in Gene Taylor. So the new contract replaces the original six-year deal, so to run through April 30th of 2030, so it's uh, him and actually Kleiman, right, that have their contracts now running through 2030. Coach going to be paid $3 million this year and then receive a, a raise of $100,000 every continuing year. There's also uh, four retention bonuses of tw- uh, $200,000 uh, following each of the next four seasons. And I was also running through you know, the bonuses as well that is uh, linked to the uh, press release. Like So if K-State wins 20 games, he's going to get a $15,000 bonus. If K-State finishes in the top 25 of the final AP or – USA Today coaches poll, that's a $25,000 bonus. If the Cats reach the Elite Eight, $200,000 back in coach's pocket. There's a lot of opportunities <laughs> to make a whole lot of cash. By the way, if the Cats win a national championship, $600,000 bonus for the old coach. So we finally got the announcement. We knew it's coming. It's been done deal, I guess, for a while. We finally have the announcement. Yeah, for the most part, I think that's an yeah. accurate statement. But it is now official. It really, I think, is a great thing for many people, right? I think we'll start with the obvious, and that would be Jerome Tang and his family and Kansas State and Kansas State Athletics. But you know the fan base is going to be thrilled with this, right? After the year that he put together in, in Season 1, it, it, it really shows you how committed K-State is to winning basketball games uh, and excited to have this gentleman uh, lead the parade of that. Uh, couldn't be more excited for everybody. It's a good day, man. Great, great deal, great news. And I'm continuing to look through what has been posted at kstatesports.com about the details. Uh, I'm not, I haven't seen anything about a buyout, buyout yet, like what that looks like now or in the future. Right. 
so I'm still looking for that. But you'll find it probably. But yeah, I I, ha- I didn't see it at, at first glance either. But I, I think this is uh, uh, again a contract that gives him. Uh, I'm not sure even to be honest with you where it would fit in the grand scheme of things within the structure of the Big 12 coaches, but I think what I would say is it's probably about as competitive as you could possibly be um, this early in his tenure here going into year number two. I think you probably agree with that. I mean, this is, um, as you said, this is something that it's been rumored about, uh, uh, you know, for, for several weeks, probably months now, but kind of had a pretty good indication and it was going to be coming out late in the day today. And, and here we are, 4 o'clock, boom, the big news. So congratulations to Jerome Tang, uh, Gene Taylor, and the K-State Athletics Department, K-State men's basketball, K-State fans. Exactly. Coach Tang going to be around for another seven seasons, and I just noticed here that um, Gene's middle name is Forrest. He has his middle name in his uh, digital signature. So didn't know that. Learned something today. Yeah, Gene Forrest Taylor. I'll be darned. Let's let's name a uh, let's name a forest after Gene Taylor someday. What's the uh, <laughs> biggest population of trees in Kansas? Let's get that done. Um, so yeah, I'm still looking. I'm, I'm kind of doing like a fast scroll through here to see if there's anything that states any sort of buyout or anything like that. Not that I fear that coach is you know going to be leaving K State or anything, but that's just something people want to know. I'm really yeah. I'm I don't even think to be honest had you not brought it up I wouldn't have thought two shakes about it and and because in working with him through that first year I think it was amazing to watch him work really in all phases on and off the floor uh with the athletic department and Gene Taylor uh but but also with you know the development people university people you saw how connected he was to you know, the students and, frankly, the entire fan base. And, and that continues to grow and evolve. And, you know, he's become <laughs> a pretty popular man on campus and around the state these days, even at Arrowhead yesterday. I mean, so, I was just about to say, it was yeah. just a little over 24 hours ago, Coach Tang was uh, banging the drum there in the, oh, what's the, is it the west side of Arrowhead Stadium is where they have the drum? Da, 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 da. <laughs> He's got great rhythm. (laughs) I think there's like a third version of his tomahawk chop. That's my new ringtone from now on. Oh, it was so great. Well, here's the thing. Whether you liked it or whether you thought it was just okay... The thing is, is that's him. Yeah. I mean, nothing is, is halfway with him. He's all in, right? I mean, yeah. that, uh, that's what I, I think most people have been so excited about because he's so enthusiastic about anything and everything, uh, life, basketball, family, you name it. And I, th- I think that's what people are turned on most by. Yeah, it's great when you're winning games, and they did that. And, and here we go moving forward. Can't wait. Well, and I got to say that the biggest thing I love about Coach Tang is the relationship he has built with not just K-State fans, but the student, oh, the student body. No I, question. I've never seen a coach 
build a relationship like that ever. Like, I've never heard a story like this of hang with Tang, and they've evolved it to now there's a drivable couch. He can drive <laughs> it around wherever he's doing the interviews to he was there Saturday before K-State-UCF kicks off. He's front row in the student section, and K-State HDTV always does a great job of finding him where he, wherever he's at in the student section and getting a great camera shot of it. He's right there ready to wabash with the student section. Yeah, he, th- that's what I say. He, he's, he's pretty much all in on everything, um, and it's just kind of how he does it, right? I mean, he is he's in full gear, uh, fifth gear, whatever you want to say, high gear constantly, it seems. Um, and, and it's just it's so exciting to have him be a part of this. And, and, and clearly this, I think, is a, is a statement and a commitment uh, that K-State has made to him. And they, they noticed his work. <laughs> oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Well, the deal is done. Uh, let's see. This was trying to quickly figure this out. Seven months in the making when they last played in the Elite Eight, right before the turn of the calendar to April, something like That's that. That's probably in the neighborhood. I, I hadn't thought about that exactly in terms of, of months, but that's probably in the neighborhood. And I, you know, I, I think we all experienced something special last year. And I think this has been, you know, sometimes these things, you know, get hung up from time to time with attorneys and that kind of stuff. But I, I think the major principal players in this have, have kind of had this, you know, in the, in the ballpark for quite, quite some time. Is that your perception? That's, yeah. the, that's the way I see well, it. Well, I mean, just yeah. last couple conversations with Gene, I mean, I think we had, when we had him on a couple of weeks ago, it was, it was kind of brought formalities the question. now. Yeah. Formalities right? just, yeah. you know, what's the latest on the Tang contract? He's like, it's coming, you know, just yeah. you know, working some things out, but it's coming. And then I think we asked him back in early, uh, well, would have been early in the summer. Last time we had him on before a couple of weeks ago in Wildcat Insider, just, you know, when you plan to have it out. Oh, it's, it's going to happen just in due time. You yeah. know, we're just taking our time. No rush. I was like, that's perfectly fine with me. I mean, I know it's going to get done. <laughs> Coach Tang is going to be here for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't be more thrilled for Coach Tang. He absolutely deserves it. Maybe they were really uh, going back and forth on, you know, when he wins that national championship for K-State, uh, how much money he's going to, you know. I, I would, too. You know, he's guaranteed a national championship. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, why don't we go ahead and just hit the reset button. We'll take our first break. And when we come back, Cats – Get it done Saturday against UCF. White and I will uh, discuss K-State's third one of the season coming up next. You're listening to Wildcat Insider. We're back, Wildcat Insider. Voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. I am Mitch Fortner. And the phone number is 785-537-1350 if you want to call in, as we uh, just announced a few moments ago. K-State men's basketball coach Jerome Tang has accepted a um, a new contract, a new seven-year contract. He is your coach through uh, April of 2030, just like um, Chris Kleiman. So for the next seven years, Jerome Tang will be your head coach of men's basketball. But now... Let's jump back to the gridiron. Let's jump back to Bill Snyder Family Stadium back on Saturday night. K-State 1-0 in Big 12 play as they knock off Big 12 newcomer UCF 44-31. First thing, Gus Malzahn is now on my Dunzo list. Timeout, goal line, he pulls Eli Drinkwitz to squeeze in one more touchdown to maybe look like the scoreboard or or the fourth quarter of the second half wasn't as much of a blowout as it was. But... 
I got to say, let's start off with the quarterback. Let's start off with Will Howard, who was questionable day-to-day heading into Saturday. Not only does he play, he plays the entire game. We didn't see Avery Johnson. We saw Will Howard not only throw it around the yard for over 250 yards, he ran the ball, and he did a great job of not looking like he was injured. Well, and he wasn't 100%. Let, let's put that yeah. out there very, very quickly. With that said, however, I, I think we are clearly of the understanding how tough this young guy is, both mentally and physically. He started to kind of come along, apparently, as the week went on. And I think when they got into that area of you know, Thursday's practice and saw kind of how that went— I think they thought, all right, maybe this is going to going to happen. And I just think Will just had it in his mind. I'm not 100%. I'm not going to be 100%, but I'm close enough. I'm not going to put myself in harm's way, but I'm close enough I can go. And then when you get into the excitement of, of the, the game itself, you know, a little bit of adrenaline takes over, let's be honest. I mean, he, he probably was pretty sore yesterday. Uh, but but I, I was so impressed with what he did. He ran the ball seven times, had a 31-yard touchdown run, 27 completions, 42 attempts. Those are both career-high numbers. He threw for 255 in the ballgame. So, yeah, I, I, I admire him on a lot of levels. Toughness right near the top of the list, and that, that, that was well done. It also helps you have a uh, offensive line do a pretty solid job of protecting the quarterback. UCF just had one sack. And I will say, it wasn't like the Knights were bringing pressure all night. It wasn't the Mizzou game plan. Right. It was four or five most of the time. The sack that UCF did have, they brought six. But we had also seen K-State's line actually struggle at times on a four-man rush. Uh, And I would say the offensive line, I thought it did a solid job of protecting the pocket. I would say probably even better than solid, honestly. Okay. And I, I would also say with the fact that K-State rushed for 281 yards <laughs> tells you that they did a pretty darn good job. Yes, uh, you had a, a guy back there in DJ Giddens who had a special night. Um, I had a, a friend text me a little while ago, said he watched back on the game today and said he had, um, what, 11 broken tackles uh in, in 30 attempts running the ball and a couple of more on catches, and he had eight catches on the night. So that's 13 broken tackles in basically 38 touches. That's that's pretty good. Let's right? see. I yeah. mean, that's, that's pretty legit. Giddens with 30 carries, the eight catches, so he has 38 touches. Right. In case they ran 82 plays. Mm-hmm. By the way, 82-59, the right. play differential there between K-State and UCF. One more thing on Will, and then we could talk about DJ a little bit more. Um, Will probably had four or five throws he wanted back because that was the only blemish in his game, I thought, where on some maybe some deeper routes or throwing to the end zone, he had guys open. Breaking oh. news. Hey, you're hitting buttons over there. <laughs> okay. I where, don't know what that was. <laughs> where was I? Uh, it was the breaking news sounder is what it was. Uh, so back to Will. The pass to Gary Oakley, a couple of passes into the end zone. He was just a touch off. And then, of course, you know he, he did throw an interception in the first half. Yeah, the, the interception is certainly the easy one to point to. Um, and, and he's had one of those in every game, honestly. 
Uh, it'd be really, really difficult for me to criticize him on the Oakley throw. Uh, and it was just barely overthrown, but a difficult throw on kind of what I would describe as a little bit of a wheel route up the sideline, far sideline. Um, but but there are a couple of two or three others where I think you're you're accurate in that the pass could have been just a little bit better, and had it been, uh, maybe he throws a couple of touchdowns instead of uh, yep. DJ getting four. Yep, um, it's just kind of what it is. Loved his toughness though, and and the, you know what this I don't believe we can understate this the fact that he wanted so much to play and put so much into being ready and showing, you know, his team, I'm here, you know. I don't know that you can understate that. that that's a big statement to his teammates that he's all in. Agreed? Agreed. Yeah. Uh, I got to squeeze in this clip real quick. This is from post game. This is from Cooper Beebe, your starting left guard. Uh, and with, by the way, the return of Christian Duffy, who did a pretty solid job, I thought, on some run blocks. No doubt. Um, against UCF, BB was more left guard, more comfortable where he was. The offensive line was more comfortable. Impressed by how well Will Howard was uh, able to run the football. I told him on that the last touchdown run, dude, you got to move faster. You're over here hobbling and stuff. I was like, dude, honestly, I was surprised. I, I thought he was about to just slide down and take the easy road out. But, you know, he stuck it out, gave us another touchdown. So. He did stick it out. That's the thing. And Will, you know, especially the long run afterwards, the way he celebrated and turned to the crowd, the general was pumping. He wasn't fe- feeling it, but I think you're right. He was probably feeling it yesterday. Sore, has two weeks to recover. Big game for, for Will Howard. But back to DJ Giddens. No Trayshawn Ward. Coaches talking to DJ before the game starts and even leading up to the game. And, and Coach said it. They, they challenged him. He's going to have to be the guy. He's going to have to take a lot of carries. It's going to be kind of old school yeah. on how many carries he's going to have. And he had to he had to be ready for that. I think he was way better than a lot of people were expecting. We know he was good, but like you were saying, the way he was just kind of bouncing off – or ba- guys were bouncing off him. Yes. He was a bulldozer on a couple of plays. He did a really good job. And I, I do think after visiting with Chris Kleiman – uh, in post game and for the television show and visiting with him when we were all done with all of that kind of stuff, um, I, I think without Trayshawn, uh, that they knew they would probably need another running back in there to get a couple of touches, and that's really about all we saw out of Anthony Frias was a couple of run-in plays. And, well, I guess another. He did have one short catch, I think, for like five yards. But this was DJ Giddens' game, and I think he was challenged, and boy, did he meet the challenge. Uh, yes, there were guys around him that I thought did a pretty darn good job, but it was a special night for him because he, he admitted to us in the radio postgame show that he, was, he took some hits, and he was sore and beat up. But, um, wow, the numbers were spectacular, and, and just, just the effort was too. I mean, he just – how many runs of those, you know, 30 did he get – well, let's look. I don't know. I don't know if I can – well, I don't know if I have that in front of me here, but I'd like to know how many yards he had after being hit the first time on, on those runs. Oh, yeah, yards after contact? Yeah. That would be honestly, yeah, I would love to know that because I, do, um, I don't have this that actually on on my uh, stat sheet. Yeah, that, I'm looking through my numbers too. Yeah. Um, I don't see it anywhere. Maybe hopefully somebody has it out there. 
I know he only had. But I think it's a significant number. Is the point? I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. He, t- he took some pretty good hits. That was a, a defense that I don't think was dominant, but I, I I like the way they are physical and and they fly around. There's no doubt about that. And every play was not easy for Giddens. He was stuffed right. up a couple of times, and it was it wasn't like. You know, every play was a very positive play. I mean, this was a UCF defense that wanted to stop the run. They weren't able to every time. But Giddens, 30 carries, a career high. 207 yards, a career high. Four touchdowns, a career high. Seven yards per carry, a career high. Eight catches, a career high. Eight catches, (laughs) a career high. And I was, you know, people forget about this. You know, Deuce Vaughn had 21 games of over 100 yards rushing. But he never got to 200. Never got there. And D.J. Giddens took 30 carries, but he got there. It's remarkable, if you think about it, on both fronts, in that I think it shows you how well he played Saturday night, and it also shows you how consistent Mr. <laughs> Mr. Deuce was, mm-hmm. right? I mean, think about how many games – look it up real fast. How many games do you think he played at K-State, Deuce? I could probably figure it out in my head. Well, it's thirty-ish, thirty-something. So, so fourteen last year. Yep. Thirteen the year prior. So you have twenty-seven. Right. So and, and then ten, and then ten in twenty twenty. Yeah. So, yeah. Four, uh, thirty-seven games. Yeah. So in thirty-seven games, he was at a hundred or more twenty-one times. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Better than pretty good. I tell you what. I mean, talk about <laughs> you know not having. <clears throat> You know, Treshawn Ward, not only is just as a running back, also a receiving back. Right. Who made some nice plays against Mizzou. You know, that not only did Giddens have to step up and run in the football, but also being a pass catcher. I mean, he had to really be locked in there, too. You know, we, I got to say a couple of things here. One, he has proven, I think, that he is a better receiver than the perception has been all along with him. Even going back to last year, go back if you go back and watch the couple of catches he made in the in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, and then you know some of that action the other night, he's been pretty good. Even when covered up, he can kind of get that ball into the old breadbasket and get to going. And and what I would say is too is I, I we talked about how teammates would be impressed with Will's desire to be in there and lead and be tough and all of those kind of things. What kind of statement do you think Mr. Giddens made to his teammates the other night with Treshawn Ward unavailable? Those things are important. They are. I want to go to the defensive side of the football. I know you and Stan, you guys are Stan will typically pick an offensive and defensive player of the game. Yep. Do you remember who Stan picked for his defensive player of the game? Yeah, I think it was Desmond Purnell. That's who I would go with too. Yeah. I thought Desmond played his best game oh, for sure. as a Wildcat. And I think if you were to ask me, you know, Mitch, through four games, what player has done a great job this year but is just not getting praised enough? Who's the guy? Desmond Purnell is my guy. Yeah, I th- And Coach gave him the rub before the season. It was like, this kid is going to be a, a dog. He's going to be a great player. He could be an all-Big 12 type of player. I was like, okay, well, you know, he won the job in the preseason. That's great. He takes over as a new starter. Let's see what happens. He made he was leading tackler for K State on Saturday. He made seven all solo tackles. Exactly, and also had a TFL. But most importantly, that forced fumble that was a oh. monster, monster play. Well, in the game. and that was such a key factor. I thought for K State, I was like, listen, you've played three games and you only have two turnovers forced. 
need to start forcing those turnovers. You're in Big 12 play now. That's right. You know, Jacob Parrish had an interception thrown right to him. But you want to talk about effort, you know, in a play that looked like, all right, it's probably done. He's wrapped up, about to be dragged to the ground. Here comes Desmond to punch that football out of the ball carrier's hands, and V.J. Payne is there to recover it. Really excited for Desmond because we had him on this week on our pregame show on the network and, and visiting with him about the the transition from being a safety to a Sam linebacker. It was really interesting to me to visit with him about it, really probably for the second or third time that I've actually had a chance to visit with him one-on-one. And he talked about the transition, and I think he felt all along, if I'm being honest, <clears throat> excuse me, that he was a better football player the closer he was to the line of scrimmage. I think you saw him play a little bit in high school, and yep. he he was all over the field as a high school player, as most of them are. But I do think because he has the added weight, he learned from guys like Austin Moore and, and several others, he made the transition seem pretty seamless. And, and you mentioned how well Kleiman thinks he's playing. He mentioned earlier, I think at his press conference last Tuesday or at some point during the week, that he thought he was playing at an all-conference level. That's pretty high praise three games in. That was before what he did the other night. Well, and Desmond, not only with his tackles, he was just jumping off the highlights for me with what you would call setting the edge. Mm-hmm. As in, you know, UCF maybe trying to run it to the outside. Well, here come two guys to lead block, and guess what? Desmond locks up those two lead blockers. That runner now can't get to the outside. Got to cut back in, and guess what? There's two or three cats waiting for him for no gain. And, and I just want to say, since you brought that up, um, I'm not sure what you thought. I, I don't really read a lot of Twitter and message boards and stuff like that. But UCF was holding all night? Is that what you're getting at? No. no. <laughs> I, I just want to tell you how good I think they are offensively. Oh, their speed? Well, and just the design and, and the way they do things. They have good personnel. I thought for a while there their play calls were pretty pretty solid. Oh, like yeah. for, for the down and distance, what they needed. They, they drew up some great plays. Yeah, yeah. And Gus has, has given up the play calling now. You know, he has an offensive coordinator to, uh, to play call now. And I think it's probably helped him. I don't know if he would admit that or not. But I, I just felt like they were a very dangerous offensive team because of their athleticism and their speed and the way they can get you spread out. And I think I remember saying on this show last week in, in interviews in other places – that that's the thing. People have this perception that they just throw it all over the yard, right? Not really. They want to play all 53 and a half yards across, spread you out, and, and, and do the play action stuff, which leads to the gadget plays and the things that where they hurt K-State a little bit. I just thought they were a hard out. I thought they were tough. Well, I mean, and that you know, compliments to the defense. Although, and you know, it's still my biggest concern. I don't really have much much concerns right now for this K State team, but you know, they're still giving up big plays. Um, well, and, I think yes, yeah, they they have. And again, I'm not trying to defend them. I'm just trying to make some points here, okay? Because I think they gave up some some chunk yardage. That's obvious, and, mm-hmm. and several different times. I think they gave up. A first down on a third and twenty something. You you, you don't do that. First right? downs on third and sixteen and third and twenty one. Yeah. yeah, that is hard when that happens. But what I would say is is because of of the way that that offense is designed, they're going to make some of those from time to time. They just are. Does K State have to improve there? Yeah, for sure. 
I'm just trying to make the point that I think UCF was a – let me throw it, throw it at you this way. Eight more games for K-State in league play this year. How many teams of these eight that are coming up do you think are better offensively than what we saw the other night from UCF? Not many. Exactly. Not many. You just made my point. No, that, that was a solid offense. Yep. That K-State held them to under – You could argue uh, Texas. Texas for sure. Yeah. I, I would say I, – I don't know about speed. I just got to watch more Texas, but they're also they, – they, They'll they're, have they're speed, bigger. trust me. They're bigger. <laughs> they're big. That's a bigger team. Yeah. UCF was about their speed. For sure, yep. and spread you out and try to beat you with speed, which for a while, uh, you know, they're kind of felt like catching K State off guard. Maybe Austin Romain on that second play was a little bit out of position, and he did a better job. But I was impressed with their speed. But I got to say, I mean, it, it, you know, their schedule was not the toughest, but I st- you still got to tip your cap with them putting up six seventeen a game yardage, and and they've blown out a couple of teams and you know a couple of cupcakes maybe, but you know three games in. And maybe we should bring this up, you know, Timmy McLean versus John Rise Plumley. You know, Timmy McLean is, you know, he might be the future of UCF football. We'll see. I mean, maybe this is a conversation Gus Malzahn will need to have when John Rice Plumley is back. And, you know, I would imagine John Rice Plumley would get the, you know, reins back. But I got to say, for a backup quarterback, Timmy McLean can play. He can play. And, and keep in mind now, he's just a redshirt sophomore. And yeah. in his first year in their program, he had been a couple of years at USF and I guess not this past year but the year prior so 21 he started nine games there so he's got a little bit more experience than most backup quarterbacks that's that's fair but I I just like the way he competes um he gets rid of the ball pretty quickly did he make some mistakes sure he was under duress some too there's no doubt about that I think K-State did a pretty good job of chasing around all night uh, but but I, I do think he's going to be a very, very large handful before he's all said and done. Oh, for sure. But going back to what I was saying, heading into the game, UCF was averaging 89 plays a game in case they held them to 59 plays on Saturday. And I you know to throw out one more stat here about what K-State did defensively, I mean, this has been the most consistent thing I've seen with K-State's defense and that stop in the run, making tackles for loss. K-State is still a top 10 team in the country in stopping the run and tackles for loss with this much speed. I mean, K-State still had eight tackles for loss. You had Timmy McLean. He is, he is scrambling all over the yard. I mean, talk about a guy that's hard to tackle and K-State had four sacks in the game. And a lot of those were on second or third tries, but they still got those sacks. And I will say, you know, I, I was surprised how much in those first two games, how many times John Rice Plumley probably made a bad decision. I know Timmy McLean made a couple of bad decisions, but you know it, it wasn't as bad as I would say John Rice Plumley has made this year. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting subject that uh, they're probably going to be talking about a lot more than we are moving forward. But I, I hope everybody appreciates you know the the efforts that that uh, UCF brought in here Saturday night offensively. I thought I thought they were really good. And just just to kind of augment what you were saying about K State's run defense, they're giving up. Uh, just two and a half yards per rush this season in four games. Even after the other night. I mean, that's got to be top five in the country. I would, I would hope. I, I, I'll look it up during the break, but it's got to be top five. You know, UCF did run for 4.2 yards per carry, but I think the big number is 
They were averaging 300 coming into the game. They were held to 142. That's that's on the ground. That's paramount difference. <laughs> that's 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 crazy good. K State's also given up just two rushing rushing touchdowns. So they're yeah. they're doing a good job with that. Some things to clean up in the back end, sure. For but, sure. But what I would say is, even against that competition, now some will agree with me on this, some probably will not, and I'm okay with that. That that's what this is all about, right? But I believe that there were some things that maybe were subtly better the other night than than at Mizzou. Um, don't know that if everybody necessarily noticed things like this, but uh, VJ Payne uh, switched positions with Kobe Savage. Anybody see that? Probably, Probably not. not. Yeah. <laughs> so there were better things. It was it perfect? Certainly not. Well, I was gonna say I thought the miscommunications that happened at Mizzou, I wouldn't that probably pin anything in that game right. as miscommunications. Right. You know, just maybe got out athleted a little bit on a couple of plays. Yeah, or out angled or out blocked yeah. or whatever it might be. But yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. I think that's fair. All right, we need to take our next break, and when we come back, uh, we got to speak, the media did, to the man of the hour on Saturday, DJ Giddens, who might be the most soft-spoken person I've ever been a part of when it comes to K-State media and press conferences. We're going to hear from DJ Giddens when we come back on Wildcat Insider. You're listening to Wildcat Insider. Teams that hadn't done that. Uh, let's see, is there anything else I can squeeze in here? Uh, that's uh, that's about it. Uh, DJ, I think, came up here one more time. Yeah, so rushing yards by DJ Giddens, the most by a Wildcat since 2018. Mm-hmm. So five years, yeah. DJ Giddens breaks the 200 mark. So here's a, a, a about two minutes of the interview the media had with DJ Giddens after the game, and this was a solid question to open things up. Obviously, you got a pretty big day. We know you're a fisherman. If you could describe your game today in terms of fishing, what would a day look like in the life of DJ Giddens? On fishing terms, probably say going out there and catching probably like a 20-pound catfish on a cool at night, enjoying the weather. That's it. Well, how would you describe your game? You had an opportunity, maybe Big 12 Player of the Week potentially. What what went well for you today? I got a shout out to the O-line for real and Will for for trusting me throwing the ball and. And the O-line making holes, that's really what it was. And I tried to make one or two people miss, and that's really what it was for real. DJ, what was kind of going through your head when the coaches said, hey, we're going to lean on you this week, we're going to give you the ball a lot? They was on me a lot this week, um, especially since the about Monday, Tuesday, all the coaches, they kept on talking to me. It was in my ear, and it, it felt good to be able to be someone they could trust. And, lean on so I'm proud that they do that. Did you put any pressure on yourself to step up with Treshawn being out? I ain't put pressure on myself because like I said the coaches they'll tell me all we just be you to do yourself. Don't put uh, undue pressure on you. Ain't no pressure on you and just just play free and that helped me a lot this week just being out there. They told me if you mess up you mess up. If you don't hit all you don't hit all so I was just playing free. No pressure. What do you think you proved as a running back today? Um, Probably just versatile. I could catch the ball. I run the ball and catch the ball. More versatile, make a cut or two. How many family friends were here tonight? Family? Oh, yeah, I had family come down from Louisiana. Shout out to my family from Louisiana coming down. Uh, my mom, my dad came out. So, yeah, I had, a, I had a good amount of family coming in, so it felt good for them to show up. And me and the, knowing in the back of my head, they out there, and I got I to gotta play. I play good. How's it feel when you make the crowd go crazy like that? feel good. I don't really too much like listen to. I just think next play, make a good play, 
you know, focus on the next play, focus on the next play, touchdown, focus on the next touchdown. How sore are you? Ain't gonna lie, yeah, I'm pretty sore right now, but that's what comes with the game, though. When you got back to your locker and checked your phone, how many text messages did you have waiting for you? <laughs> I had a good amount, probably like 20, 30, something, nothing too crazy. It's a good kid. <laughs> Yeah, I laughed at the very first there yeah. but with with the fishing and what do you, he said twenty pound catfish right twenty pound yeah I, I don't know how this came about whether Coach Kleiman knew this or somebody had said something to him but he he said after we were uh, taping television that he said I've never been around a kid that seems to enjoy fishing as much as this guy I think he'd rather fish than do almost anything. Well, okay, but turns out <laughs> it, I, I think he's pretty good at this, too. Yeah. He had a heck of a night, man. So proud of him. Hopefully he uh, got a chance to do some fishing maybe to celebrate his win on Saturday and yeah. his 204 yards or uh, let me let me double check here just to get it, 207 yards, excuse me, rushing and four touchdowns. He is the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, Wyatt, looks like we got a little over four minutes. Let's go ahead and uh, let's jump back to this last weekend in the Big 12 if you're ready to do so. Of course. I uh, do want to point out the Big 12 newcomers uh, in their first games as Big 12 newcomers playing in Big 12 play 0-4. 0-4. UCF loses to the Cats. Uh, last week you had Houston losing to TCU. Kansas beats BYU. And then Oklahoma, uh, I, I tell you what, it was an excellent environment. I don't know if you got to watch any of that on Saturday morning. I did see a little of it. It was an excellent environment. Cincinnati just kind of shot themselves in the foot a couple of times to keep them in the game, and Oklahoma won 20-6 to on the road. Yeah, it was a game where Cincinnati competed. I think that would be a they fair did. statement. Yeah. But but yet, I think when they got – they here, here's the bottom line for them. They're a pretty good team, but they have really been poor. Let me say that again. Poor in the red zone. Really bad. If they would have been ordinary the other day, much closer game. Boy, it reminds me of the Cowboys yesterday. Jeez Louise. Talk about yep. poor in the red zone. About pute. Couldn't, I couldn't stand what I was watching yesterday. Uh, uh, so some bad news for Texas Tech. Uh, Tyler Shuck out for the year. He broke his fibula. Fibula. And it's going to require surgery. He'll have surgery tomorrow morning. They're okay. talking six to eight weeks. It'll unfortunately probably be a little bit longer than that. He, he really is a good player, but has had a really hard time staying healthy, regardless of where he has been in his career, and he's been around a little bit. Baron Morton took over, and he took a heck of a shot on yes, his shoulder. There's some questions as to whether he will be ready to go, but apparently Joey McGuire said at his presser today that uh, he'll be ready by Saturday. I mean, in the, the final score, West Virginia won that game 20-13, to 13. I don't know. Is Neil Brown about to save his job? I don't know. This is kind of a weird start, I think, for for West Virginia because they lose their starting quarterback in Garrett Green against Pitt, and they win that game. Maybe their 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 defense is is better than what we were expecting. Without a doubt, that's the strength of their team and their backup quarterback. You've got to have a backup quarterback that can play. And Nico Marchio, put this into perspective. Now they're three and one. Won their conference opener Saturday albeit at home, but they did. They won, and he has started the last two games. So he's beaten Pitt at home and Tech at home. Not all bad for a number two guy. Not not at all. Now, 
I was really looking forward to watching this game because I just this is just one of the games that are just so unpredictable because these are two teams that are not looking too good. And they might be bottom of the barrel of the Big 12. Oklahoma State and Iowa State playing in Ames. Iowa State did go into the game as the favorite, and they won the game 34-27. You know, the the wrinkle into the – or the twist into the storyline was that Gundy decided not to go with three quarterbacks. Correct. Just going to go with Alan Bowman. Put him out there. Let's see what we can do. And, and for a while there, it was kind of a shootout. I was like, man, this is actually a really entertaining game. It was a pretty entertaining game, honestly. And I think Bowman played okay. I really do. But the star of the game probably was was the quarterback for oh. Iowa State, Rocco Beck. He, he, Big numbers. He yeah. had he threw for three hundred and forty eight yards, man. That's for them. Are you kidding me? And three touchdowns, by the way. I don't even know another Iowa State wide receiver other than um, Jalen Noel. Noel. Yeah. yeah. Well, they've got a couple of other guys, but he's he's certainly the main guy. But that you know what? That's a good that's a good win for for Iowa State. Things have not been good up there. They've been through a lot with all the gambling thing in the summer. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you feel about this. I think I think Coach Gundy had to pick a guy and just go. Will he do the same a week from this Friday night? Don't know. Be interesting to see what he says at his press conference this week. Doesn't matter who they're going to roll out there. You don't think it does? Doomed. Doomed from the start. <laughs> Clyman's going to finally get that dub at Boone Pickens. <clears throat> finally going to happen right well i hope so i'm on that wagon yeah, that was, sign me up man <laughs> uh also some other finals kansas beats byu 38 27 uh strong third quarter winning that 14 to 3 tcu beats smu 34 17 texas beats baylor and waco 38 to 6 that's going to wrap up our number one a wildcat insider coming up next our number two perfect time for a bye week and we'll also hear from k-state quarterback will howard and linebacker austin romaine stick around